0: award-winning magazine uh, f- uh un- unlimited flatbed toes for all of your classic cars valuation tool and uh, vip events and shit like that yes
1: yeah, so we okay. must be talking about the security drivers club <laughs> um, we are,
0: we're to bo- we're, well we're probably supposed to be doing the um uh, the plug for HDC, but i whatever I, we I, just I, didn't I find it yeah we just did well there was something out there what link below there we go okay so <laughs> Being that we are super prepared for today's episode we... of
1: the Carmudgeon Show, part of the Haggerty Podcast Network, which is hosted by Jason Kamisa and Derek Tam Scott, I have my laptop out because we resolicited Q uh, and A cues some weeks we ago, A's.
0: and we will be Aing those cues today. The question will is: Will we just be bullshitting our way through this, or will we actually do research? Research. Well, look. Last week we did the whole 9/11 like spotters guide, everything you need to know, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, we want even more from Derek." People seem to appreciate actual knowledge.
1: Yeah, but that wasn't research; that was just kicking around loose in my brain.
0: <laughs> That's because we're going to answer the question very quickly that comes later: is Are we actually this much of nerds in real life? And the answer is
1: yes. More Regrettably, more so. More so. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right.
0: Okay. Uh, stay tuned. Listen to a little dee dee dee, and we'll be right back to answer questions. Super.
1: Okay. Hi. Good
0: afternoon. Didn't know the episode comes Good out. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, unless, unless you're, you're in, in Europe, Europe yeah. or Australia <laughs> or Asia or somewhere else. Anyway, um, first things first. This situation and this ghetto ass solo cup situation. This is just water, by the record. Uh, by the record, for the way. <laughs> and by the record. Um, uh, we're off to a splendid start. I have start. a gift for you. Oh. this is a yeti that is haggerty branded and says shit happens with a sh- shitter or otherwise known as a shift pattern uh-huh. um and from now on we are going to drink out of these and they they were sent to us probably passively aggressively by by my boss at haggerty but also i was like oh fine they're cool yetis whatever but you know we drink cold drinks but then i found out that all proceeds from these mugs go to teaching hold on it was like enclosed in the thing. It was like, hey, um, these tumblers are for you and Derek to take with you to the studio. All proceeds from the tumblers will be donated to help teens afford driver's education, so they can experience the freedom, independence, and fun of driving. Hmm. And I am sorry, I approve. I am not usually one for bullshit. Like I, you know, like call bullshit <laughs> well, out that's like not that. Bullshit. That's bullshit. That is a cool cause. So um, I don't know if there's a link below because I don't know what the link is. And actually, we don't have anything to do with the Haggerty shop. But you guys should really go to the Haggerty shop and buy some of these things because the idea that this company tagline is never stop driving. Uh, and, and in fact, start driving is the opposite of that. Well, or but the they're doing all these that. different. So we were the last episode that we recorded live together was the detroit episode yes Um, and so there there was the porsche episode in the middle but we haven't gotten to talk about the sort of post of that detroit the debrief from the detroit concord the fact that there were cars there that anyone who could anyone who could just drive a car could just drive these classic cars like this is putting money where the mouth is and that was really to use a technical term fucking cool yeah Uh, I
1: agree with that. I mean, I am always one to complain about how having cars displayed exclusively at Concours is sort of a... I don't know I think it's a little bit misguided there's a there's this generational handoff that needs to occur and putting up barriers uh between people and new people especially in cars is uh I think regrettable so it was nice to see that this was executed uh in a way that encourages new people to get involved
0: yeah of course by new people you mean young people and they're not going to understand the words you just said you're just gonna have to be like it's fucking rad that this shit is on tiktok or something okay no well, but i is. wouldn't know you were closer to their age than i am so <laughs> the i mean if you think about the what, what was that guy something exotic so with the guy that was just taking tax the rich oh yeah back yes. in the day this is somebody who was like doing donuts in yes. you know testarosa he and was the
1: and enzos and yeah. phantoms and stuff yeah. um and we never saw who he was right I don't he wasn't so. ever
0: on screen yeah. you just saw them ripping around through the mud
1: in these expensive cars,
0: but that was a really great example of just taking a car that's out of reach of most people—they're never going to see—and doing with it, doing something with it that's going to wind up in the eyeballs of the next generation of car enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. That was really cool, and uh, because
1: of the irreverence. People love irreverence. Well, that was, a, I mean, that was secondary.
0: But yeah, and normally people who are like, this is an F40 and you'll never be able to infor- afford it. So I'm not showing it to you because you're a stupid peasant. They, This guy was like, let's do, let's do the same shit. I am a car enthusiast. I don't know who the p- person was, but the person was saying that effectively. I'm the same as you. I'm just fucking rich. Yeah. And I'm just going to do stupid shit in my cars the way you do stupid shit in your mom's car. Yes. Which was right. Um...
1: Uh, yes. What else coming out of Detroit? Younger generation. Yeah, we met some design students at CCS, which is, um, there are, uh, let's see, two really great design schools if you want to become a car designer, uh, at least in the United States that I know of. CCS in Detroit is one, and the other one is Art Center in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. So people were asking, you know, young people who are like, how do I get involved in automobilia? If you have design talent, then you would try to go to one of those two schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, there are students there, and I guess they get free tickets, which is kind of cool mm-hmm. to the Detroit Concor, and that's neat because you know they live in a sphere where I think they're obviously super up to date on what's going on and the latest trends, uh, but I think getting them also some exposure to the sort of legacy was is super helpful. They seem to certainly get value out of that too, so yeah. it was nice to see them all there. They brought a
0: life-sized cardboard cut out of you <laughs> with you on my shoulder. That's right. I w- that uh, was not life size. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not that big in person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really I was so impressed with all of those guys and girls. They were um it gives us you keep hearing stupid fucks in media saying, "Oh, kids aren't into cars." Bullshit. This was a generation. This was a whole group of kids who were intelligent and articulate and cared about all these wonderful little details of the history of cars, the current situation of the market. They had fantastic questions for us, one or two that will wind up in episodes. Um, what a wonderful surprise. And for me, to, I hate all humans. You just run screaming from them and only talk computer language. Um, and we both hung out with these students all day. It was great. So. Yep.
1: So the kids are all right it seems. I mean it's we Future's any of us advance. any of us who sort of interact in the car world now. I mean all the boomers were hand-wringing about, you know, kids who weren't going to be into cars in the future. I think that's proving not to be true. You see social media and what happens on there. There's plenty of spotters with cameras. I mean everybody it seems to have be as alive as it ever was and I think maybe more so in some ways than mm-hmm. a decade ago because of the entire media that has developed around people generating content i really think i think i've said this
0: before i know to you but i think i've said it on the show this whole feeling that this the next generation of children is not into cars came from one fucking study it was seeded by one study where i think it was new york times or some other i i this makes me very angry there was a study that asked teens to decide between their internet connection and a driver's license. Like if you had to choose which one. And that that is asinine on the face of it. It's like saying, "Derek, would you choose between your car or having electricity in your house?" And of course, you would choose cars, but you're weird. Most people would choose electricity. And they whoever wrote that fucking study didn't see access to the internet as a sort of given utility in the same way that we have water, running water and electricity. Sure. You just you're, You get a new place, what are you getting? You're getting an internet connection or you have a phone that has unlimited data first before you even turn the water or the electricity on. So it was just a badly written study. And of course everyone, 90% of all the teens chose an internet connection i'm surprised it's not more or, I mean, even something. for me it's like mm. but i think that 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 badly written and badly executed study really did plant a seed of oh my god kids aren't interested in car." that is absolutely not the case yeah. period uh, every cars and coffee i go to true. every 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 event we go to is yeah. just completely disproving yeah, that. there are plenty of youths
1: around yes. they're just into different things and maybe that's something I'm that i'm not sure they are Uh, Well, I mean, they're not running around being like, I would like a Jaguar XK140. Yeah, but I don't think
0: anybody under the age of 90 has ever said
1: that. Yeah, but the people who sort of instigated this whole sort of crisis or apparent crisis were worried that there was not going to be a generation there who's like, oh my God, 67 GTO, coolest thing ever. Yeah, Like, it's okay to be into these cars that... You know, people described as video games when they were new in the 80s. And now it was like, oh my God, so cool. Yeah, but so,
0: I I couldn't give a rat's fuck about a 1918 Franklin or if that was even a thing. In 1918, I don't know. I don't, I don't care about these cars. Yeah, and I think yeah. there's a generation of people who don't care about the 50s and 60s cars. Yes, yes. Doesn't mean. That's fine. What the ha- Somebody just sent me a meme the other day that was really upsetting. Was the, the idea that a car in... No God, what the hell it was. A 1991 Civic is now the same age as, like, a Model T was when something else came out. It was one of these, like, 30 years, yes, 30 years. Yes. Yeah, it's like a, a 50s car and an 80s car. 40s car and 80s car are now 40 years apart and 40. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, okay, that's not where we're here. No, we are here, in fact,
1: to answer... Uh, some cues which were posed many episodes ago now, maybe three episodes ago, because we solicited some Q and A cues mm-hmm. for in the I think it was the Lotus Mira episode. Uh, so we I have pasted a number of them. Some people asked more than one question. Uh, we will answer more than one for some. We will answer zero for others. It's my discretion. Sorry.
0: Okay. If you <laughs> you have been ignored, blame Derek. That's right
1: uh send the hate mail in my direction and or your question was too long or you didn't write it in good enough english to for it to make sense and i couldn't <laughs> A couple understand it we were <laughs> like uh
0: what does this actually mean yes
1: okay. uh okay uh the first question is are you two really as nerdy in real life as you seem on youtube yes okay no,
0: we're nerdier
1: okay that's fair uh next question that was easy <laughs> uh are cars that will never be used for their intended purpose lame? So this person offers examples like GT3RS, uh, forerunners, land rovers being used, um, but also Dakar 9- 911 not getting used as intended uh, or you know that sort of thing. So the sort of like poser thing is
0: basically the question. Okay, well, I mean, I love a good G G wagon mm-hmm. It, that's technically designed for off-road use. Mm-hmm. No, it's not lame. It's cool.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think you also like Forerunner is a very good example of this because you look at the other stuff that's in that space uh, in terms of price point and like usefulness, and people really like Forerunners. They have high resale value because it has something about it that's different: identity, authenticity. Those things are true regardless of how you use it. It's a bit of a shame to not and and you know this. The flip side of this is like think about supercars, right? not getting used as intended are those
0: lame mm, yes so here's the th- here's here's i think where i differentiate something like a forerunner is an on-road vehicle and it was designed to be driven on-road with off-road capability right i mean it's designed primarily as an on-road car you're okay. giving me a dirty look i don't think something like a pagani zonda was designed to be driven on the road yeah, That's but a they're race not car like underneath. really track
1: cars either
0: yeah they're designed like as a piece of jewelry. Okay.
1: All right, Lamborghinis are not track cars generally, and so what are they? Some for? of them are really fucking
0: good on track, yeah. Uh, Ventadors aren't, but like, uh, I mean, SVJ might be, but like, yeah, Huracan that's an interesting one. So, like, a supercar that never gets revved past four thousand bucks, yeah, that sucks. Four thousand RPM, 000 RPM. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, sleep deprived once again.
1: Uh, um, I mean, people, we talk about how people use cars as avatars, right? As an expression Mm. of yourself, as as an expression of your identity. No car ever is going to get, not no car. Most cars don't get used to their full capability, right? They are engineered to survive, you know, Belgian pave and salt tanks and all this stuff you know people aren't going to use all of the capability of the car and if your choice is a Highlander or a Forerunner you know the Grand Highlander is probably the same kind of money as a Forerunner or something like that and one has better resale value or you know whatever more identity or you're saying making a statement or you're having fun or you know it makes you happy then like okay i can kind of see that i think there is some tragedy in a high performance car that never gets used to its full potential uh, especially if it's like squirreled away for collector value that's a little bit of a disappointment but ultimately consumers can do whatever the hell they want and if your makes
0: you happy then i suppose you can do whatever you want with it I- this was the tragedy of talking to an amg engineer about the stuffing the v12 into everything and i mm-hmm. said you know how like how, how what problems do you have cooling these things on like when you're testing them a Nurburgring the six six liter turbocharged v12 is going to create a lot of heat and he's like oh no that's not the problem the problem is air conditioning load in la and i was like what he was like yeah 67 or something whatever it was the vast majority of all v12 mercedes were sold in los angeles metro area and the problem they the biggest problem they had was getting enough airflow through the radiators to keep the engine cool so that the air conditioning would still be cold that was their biggest thing. Uh, so 100 degree LA traffic with uh-huh. a full AC load on that. Yeah. Like, wow, that's really sad. Like, that shouldn't be your primary concern in a, in a 600 horsepower car.
1: But, but it's a real it use is. case.
0: Yeah. Uh, we didn't really answer that question. I
1: think fundamentally, the, are they lame? No. no it's but a it little bit sad, posery. Right. It's a little bit sad. Uh, but there's some... Beauty in knowing the car could do that, right? Let's let's bring this to Ferdinand Piëch. Let's talk Uh-oh. about the goddamn the, it. the VW th- Phaeton, which is supposed to go 300 kilometers an hour when it's ambient 50 Celsius at, and maintain an interior temperature of 22 C or yeah. whatever it is supposed to be, whatever the criterion was, was. Uh, to to design that car's functionality but it's only capable of 250 kilometers an hour it's got a limiter on it so like people just
0: like knowing that same with with Veyron by the way I yes. mean Veyron was capable of a lot more here's people like knowing that the thing can do it because well because that pays dividends right the fact that it can do that means that you in the normal use case are never going to run up against the thermal and so and people who are buying forerunners
1: feel that way when they're driving around and like it might be bad weather or people driving a GT3 RS on the track be
0: like, it has a lot of grip and, you know. It's the reason why German cars have been so much better than most other cars dynamically for so long and it's mm-hmm. and so much tougher. It's because they have to survive the Audubon and surviving at red line, at full engine output for 100,000 miles is something that American cars in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s could certainly couldn't do. Um, so the dividends were the cars last Lasted longer in the real-world use case, but I'll let me f- turn this whole thing around. What about people who drive a pickup truck and will never put anything in the bed?
1: I think that was actually one of the examples.
0: I mean, that's probably being that the best-selling vehicles in the United States are pickup mm-hmm. trucks, and no it's the ever, same thing. Yeah, these are thing. all the same phenomenon a bit sad.
1: playing out. I mean, it's just about how it makes you feel. That's what people buy things on on a largely emotional basis. And then they use their brain power to come up with a justification for why it makes sense to do what they actually just want to do in their
0: heart. Or it's just, and that comes from society. If you're, you know, a man in Texas, you just drive a truck, period. Mm. You don't have a car. It comes from a variety of places, society being a big one. Interesting. So, yeah, I think to answer the question, it can be sad, but mostly it's, you know. It's just the way
1: we are as humans. Uh, okay. The same person also asked, "Why is the M2 uh, so much better than the F80 X generation M3 and M4, even though they have the
0: same powertrain and suspension?" They didn't initially have the same engine. So the M, so the F, the F80 series M3 was early in the BMW sort of turbocharged to lineage. Mm-hmm. The way that engine's boost hit was a light switch, and the rear suspension just couldn't take. Couldn't cope with it. And it was the same thing with the F10 and 5 M5. Same thing. As soon as the boost hit, you were fucking sideways. And I think BMW had to straddle, all car companies have to straddle the line between fast turbo reaction and smooth turbo reaction so BMW's priority or M's priority was get that boost as high as possible as quickly as possible and it's since been toned down the M2 started out with a non M engine so it wasn't an S58 it was no that wasn't they were S55 it was a M54 M55 M55 god there's so many i don't too know many BMW whatever so to me so, right so it's past it was, the era of me it, giving a shit about it was BMW. a non it was originally the single turbo non-m engine and that was i don't think it had a 54 which is twin turbo but either way it, the boost hit much more gradually on those engines the m2 competition then got the m engine and i liked it less it mm. it had the same sort of issue of when the boost hit it was kind of out of control and it was not so linear and didn't sound as good um so i think that's what it is okay so it's about boost arrival it's about boost arrival plus also through the years bmw has gotten better and better and better at harnessing that torque and so the current m3 is spectacular dynamically spectacular but it took them a but whole have generation to, have to get there and then you see the grill yes it is almost time for that time of year where we can watch hocus pocus Ah, uh, yes. Every time I see the front end of the M4, I just think of Winifred Sa- Winifred Sanderson. Yes. Stop!
1: Uh, okay. Next question. What is the best BMW and the worst
0: BMW you have ever driven? Oh, worst would have to go to um, M550i of the current generation GB. 10 i can't remember what the code is uh i had one i made it four miles and blew a tire because i hit a relatively small bump that everything else was fine on and uh put a replacement tire on it and then went on did my little bumpy road test and i had to abort i just had a camry the week before and blew through this twisty section of road like at 90 miles an hour it's a 25 zone i was probably doing 30 um at high rate of speed, and it just dealt with all the bumps, and everything was totally fine. And the M550 smashed into its bump stops so many times, so hard that I just had to give up and say, "Forget it." Um, car was not found out later. The car was not fully tuned. The there were too many variants of wheels, tires, powertrain, so engine and all wheel drive versus uh, rear wheel drive versus manual. Too many variants of the car, and the only suspension tuning they got to do was a simulation and never got to that car in the real world it was Mm. fucking terrible um so that's worse bmw what about you
1: i don't know i mean i haven't driven that many modern bmws
0: maybe there was a bad (laughs) old one
1: uh i'm consistently underwhelmed by both the cs and the 2002 to drive the e9 yeah
0: Yeah. but they're they're not
1: bad no they're not bad uh okay uh, f3320i i guess Ugh. it just it was interesting because Corolla. i kept getting those as yeah corollas basically i kept getting them as loners when i had a e90 335d and it was so interesting because i was like man they put all these people who have you know the last generation 3 series into the new one and i was like it's such a relief to get back into the last generation car when i would pick up my car from the shop and so i was just like man that it, it's they're really going the wrong direction but the i think the majority of consumers are undifferentiated who buy those cars and they don't sort of pick up on the dynamic or quality things. They're so, their perception is so much shaped by the fact that they're in a BMW
0: that they just, themselves. the the 320. I was a great marketing stunt, right? There was a 328 and or 330. And this was the sort of cost cut base level car to compete with the front wheel drive CLA and front wheel drive base CLA and Audi A3 sedans. And so BMW actually won that comparison test from when I did it, um, uh, those three cars the 320 i won because it was a size and a half bigger and it was for value for money it was there the value was there was the ultimate driving experience experience there absolutely not yeah um best bmw ever driven oh god that's annoying it's gotta be dynamically it's probably current m3 really? with an automatic which is really fucking annoying mm. um, i haven't driven any new 328 BMWs. Which generation? The original, like a nineteen thirty nine. No, oh yes, nineteen thirties three twenty eight.
1: Yes, yes, those are wonderful. That is, I really like those cars. I drove one with a with a Volvo gearbox though, with synchromesh. Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know whether the original I, gearbox. I don't know what the fuck I drove. We were rescuing cars out of Sonoma when there was a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a fire that was surrounding this uh, this wonderful guy named Jim Smith who's since passed. He was in his 80s and he, was, he and his wife were on the roofs of their houses with hoses, hosing the roofs down because they were cedar shingle. And any spark from the nearby fires would have burnt his whole their compound down um and so we were just any car that started we just dra- ran over to the sonoma raceway and anything that didn't we dragged over in tow trucks and i just hopped in the 328 started and drove knew nothing about it mm-hmm. it was completely confused because i'm like i thought this was a 30s car like it's and it drives like a 60s car and i was so i was so confused fucking spectacular yeah those uh, are really wonderful yeah. to okay.
1: drive they sound great they just like you say, it's like time travel.
0: 30 years ahead of where they should have been. Yeah, yeah.
1: so be those nice. are wonderful. Okay. Um Of more conventional BMWs, I would also nominate, like, I really like a good E36 with a six-cylinder engine. I'm a big fan of that experience. Yeah. Okay. E39
0: with a six-cylinder. E38. E39 any, any E38? I
1: do, is less exciting to me. But E38s, I, I really actually... A like a 46 a give me any yeah. of them
0: yeah yeah uh, but okay
1: uh, okay this person is uh oh car centric society what are your opinions on the idea of making it harder or more expensive to own cars in the city to promote city safety walkability or other modes of transport this is a very non-car enthusiast very a num question actually a what uh, question? new urbanist memes for transit oriented teams these are the people who are like anti-car <laughs> and pro like public yeah. transit and ride around on, on trains and stuff I love trains and I like transit so I think it is very luxurious to be able to drop make I think junk miles are dumb applying miles to my car that do not bring joy, I think is a, is a bit of a waste. And so living in, I live in, in the city of San Francisco and I drive, you know, I try to make it so that I'm driving mostly for fun wherever possible. And so not applying junk miles to a car, I'm actually okay with. I like being able to have the car be dedicated and focused on enjoyment and not have to do sort of day-to-day things. Uh, that is valuable for me. So I'm, I'm okay with uh, improving
0: mobility and transit and making cars be for enthusiasts. Okay, you fucking hypocrite. I have known you for we've decided what twelve years or fifteen whatever long time. Has your ass ever taken a fucking train or a fucking bus or any other subway or any other public transit in the city of San Francisco? Yeah, don't even. Of course, shit, I was hoping that wasn't the case. <laughs> I mean, I used to live a block and a half
1: from BART. I used to take it all the time to get to the airport
0: okay that's taking something outside of the city muni which is the network of trains and subways and shit in san francisco never i've f never market seen it. Hmm? f market f is a PCs. trolley a trolley car on. that's public transit okay you'll take it yeah how often i don't know whenever i feel like it okay you go to the gym a lot i walk i exactly you're still not taking public transportation but the, but
1: the point is that it, this the in, uh, urban environment means you don't it's not car centric
0: Okay, so we are going to do an episode, whether you, whether you like it or not, from in the back of a Waymo because I just did this and it was fucking wild. This is the driverless, driverless Jaguars. Jaguar. Jaguar uh, eye paces. That was unbelievable. We're gonna we're gonna talk about this. this is a fucking great question. Um, I am totally happy to relinquish all driving to public transit and other ways to get these fucking imbeciles out of my way and let the computers drive the car because they're better than the fucking humans. Um, but that's why I live outside of a city because I don't want that in my everyday life. So. Okay. So you're Good. not a n- you're not a, a num Great question.
1: Uh, okay, what is causing brands like Alfa Romeo to create cars like the 33 Stradale uh, and only make 33 <laughs> examples? <laughs> yeah, just sheer idiocy. All right, this should be executed as a, yes, I agree with this as the six C. Uh, instead more of a volume car like basically the question is why make such a cool car and then only make 33 units
0: because it's a nothing but a money play and unfortunately i don't know if you know this but we are in a situation in this world where there's a uh, a big disparity in wealth between people and there are a lot of people who are really fucking rich yeah but wouldn't you want to make more of them
1: if you made more you could sell them for the same price think about porsche gt cars no
0: i don't think so have you noticed that there aren't a lot of cars in between the like 250 and million dollar range, but there are a shit ton of cars that are like two, three, five, seven million dollars. They make it just rare enough that they can inflate the price through the roof so the really rich people can have them and they can say, Oh, well, they're only making 33 of them. If they made 300 of them, they'd have to sell them for which would be 10 times the volume, would they have to sell them for less than one tenth the price. And no one has that kind of money. You either have billions or you are the rest of us and so that's i think that's a wealth disparity money play and i'm saddened okay. by it all right wow i could be an econ- economics teacher uh why <laughs> are why are
1: some cars mostly American slower in a straight line than their competition from germany italy etc this is kind of like I'm maybe not, sure not true but also i think it also raises well they're not they have struggled to put power down have you heard of a tesla
0: model s plaid that's American. A Lucid Air Sapphire?
1: Well, those are EVs. It's I think this uh, raises a question that actually arose in the episode that we recently went live, your Drag Race episode of the Mercedes 500E versus the uh, M- E34 M5 versus the Audi RS2, where you get results that don't sort of seem to make sense on paper because of real-world concerns. Mm-hmm. I will hand it over to you here.
0: So the outcome of that race, if you guys haven't seen that episode, and you should see the episode because it was really a lot of fun. um, And a surprising result. A surprising result. The car with the worst power to weight ratio fucking destroyed the cars with the best power to weight ratio. In fact, the one with the absolute best, uh, which should have won, finished DFL. And that's a really great example of numbers telling part of the story. There's a real world component to cars that just, well the numbers
1: you have to look at the right numbers and that's like sort of area under the curve
0: which you're not going to get from a peak horsepower and a peak torque number correct or Um, and
1: from a curb weight right
0: and that's you know you today you look at bmw's uh power ratings and you know everyone everyone sort of quote-unquote knows that bmw's are underrated right um and it may or may not be the case it could be you know it could be certainly they make a lot of power and certainly there is evidence that they may perhaps make a little bit more. But BMW rates their cars in the worst case scenario. So you're always going to make at least that much power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think American stuff is slower than anybody else at this point.
1: No, I don't think it's specific to country. I think it's more specific to the powertrain and whether it's boosted.
0: And I mean, go of... drive a fucking Raptor R? <laughs> yeah. That is not slower than anything. Yep.
1: Okay, this person is asking... Uh, as we head towards EVs, how will manufacturers differentiate their cars to stand um, apart from each other, even
0: if they're all having the same powertrain? <laughs> Are we generally headed towards just sameness? We've already been heading towards sameness for years. Have you noticed that every car on the road has a 500cc per cylinder, direct injected, four valve per cylinder, turbocharged. Turbocharged. With a high gear count, automatic transmission behind it. Just everything has a rack and pinion steering setup. Everything has struts up front unless it's really expensive. I mean... Automotive homogeny was an episode that we did mm-hmm. um, early in the days. And yeah, that's absolutely where we're heading. They're, they can differentiate themselves with who does self-driving better and more smoothly than someone else. Mm-hmm. Or subjective
1: characteristics. I will say that our experience in the Lotus Electra was interesting mm-hmm. because there was genuine character difference with that car compared to other EVs yeah. that are in that sort of size and
0: category. But other weight than the brutal firepower, the rear wheel steering, which I thought was torque vectoring, mm-hmm. um, it was really just how... Stunningly beautiful that interior was, mm-hmm. and so really that becomes the USP: is who makes a nicer interior and that smells better.
1: Sure. Yep. Uh, okay. What distinguishes a sports car from a supercar from a hypercar? I have opinions. I do too. Um, sports car historically whoa, depends how far back you go. It was intended for sport. It was intended for competition. Uh, now I think we take the word sports car to sort of mean a certain type of elemental experience. It's not about absolute speed. It's more about uh, enjoyment and sort of closeness to the experience of driving. And uh, a supercar to me is sort of kind of has to be mid-engined at this point. Uh, and it also has to have an element of sort of like exoticness and sort of not usefulness. It has to have the 14-year-old boy effect of just being like, holy shit, wow. Uh, and those cars, you know, in retail new, sort of maybe starting at 150 and, you know, up to, you know, under a million. And then hypercar is like an, another level beyond that where it's like for people who are used to seeing exotics all the time... That still impress those people, and those are kind of seven-figure cars, generally speaking, and exist to sort of push the limits of automobile possibilities, generally as well. This is just, all sort of notional.
0: It is notional, I, but I don't agree with uh, disagree with any of that. I think hypercars, though, are really the the poster cars, right? These are cars that exist. Something like Pagani. You know, When was see the them? hypercar invented? Somewhere between the Veyron and the Pagani Zonda. I would say somewhere in that. In that Late thing. 90s. Yeah, because at the, if you think about when the Veyron launched, it was a million dollars and everyone laughed. Like, And by the way, Bugatti was losing three million on each one at that price. Um, no one will spend a million dollars on a car was the thought. And now people are spending three, four, five, ten plus. Um, and Is a McLaren F1 a supercar or a hypercar? I think in its day it was a supercar. It was only 500 grand. It was 640 pounds. Oh, okay.
1: Whatever. So I made that up.
0: Whatever. I just make everything up. But it wasn't... I mean, it was really expensive. Maybe that was a hypercar.
1: I think maybe also as holder of the world's
0: fastest... No, it wasn't. It's actually it was a accident, sports car. It's actually a sports car. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So the way I see it is it's, it's what's the... So
1: they're co- not mutually exclusive, completely no. exhaustive. they no. Me see. They're not, they They don't cover all... The, some cars can be more than one of those yeah. things.
0: I mean, I, to me, a sports car is something that prioritizes the experience. And that at mm-hmm. McLaren F, F1 absolutely did. That was Gordon Murray's goal. Mm-hmm. It accidentally wound up being the fastest car in the world, but that was never part of the target. Correct, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's priorities. Priorities in a sports car are experience. Priorities in a supercar are numbers and Impact. performance right and prior in uh and hypercar is absolute cost no object let's make this a piece of jewelry or make it engineering engineering jewelry. engineering jewelry yeah yeah okay
1: um did the woman who hit your honda beat ever face judgment
0: not that i know of i'm still uh, the her, her the the name and address on that police report is burning a hole in my pocket. Oh God! Um, but no, no, never, never done anything about it. I don't know. Hopefully, okay. hopefully she's dead. Uh, do, do, do. This person <laughs> That's is fucking asking, terrible. I'm sorry. I don't mean that. I do. <laughs> I know you do. I don't. I can't say that.
1: Uh, okay. This person is asking: um, Is there anything about the experience of electric cars that could be fixed with? a transmission automatic or
0: manual no it gets
1: worse yeah
0: no electric cars don't need transmissions and are worse for them for it when they have them okay how did you multi-gear transmissions
1: right yes exactly uh how did you start writing for a magazine i've been interested to write about cars for a long time but i don't know how to get started we did an episode about this
0: yeah quickly it was a friend of mine um named mike Duchesne who was the uh online editor at automobile magazine and he was looking for a uh, for a replacement for the Motor Trend uh, online editor. So Motor Trend and Automobile were the same uh, magazine company. So it was a friend, effectively, it's is friend. the answer yeah. to your question. Yeah. Um, and I had been running a website and did a sort of IT business first. And he nominated me for the role to work alongside of him. Ultimately wound up leaving for car and driver, leaving a hole at Automobile. And I joined. So it's really, uh, and I had met a bunch of people at Automobile prior to that, including Gene Jennings, the editor-in-chief. Uh, right so place, right you know, time, plus you know. having the knowledge and knowledge. Expertise. It's a, it's always who you fuck. Okay. Uh, no there detail. was a casting couch involved. It was, um,
1: it was something you care to forget. No. Okay. <laughs> was, well, sorry like, for de- digging up. That, that is, that is not funny.
0: <laughs> there was. I was not me too um.
1: Okay. Um, is there a future for hydrogen ICE cars with the use of electrolysis? I like this question actually because I shit on hydrogen cars, but the the short answer to the question is yes. If we get nuclear, if we get fusion. Basically, uh, it's hydrogen is easy to make, but it takes electricity. And right. so the question is always like, should you just put that electricity directly into a battery car instead of spending a bunch of energy on um turning it into hydro or making hydrogen and then unmaking that hydrogen once it's in the car or if you're if you're doing an ice car with hydrogen then you're not doing the second part uh i could see that future being there if electricity is cheap enough which you'd need fusion i think to do because then you get to save internal combustion engines powering them by hydrogen and you get that experience and there's not this sort of minus uh, associated with them which is villainized which is the carbon emissions part so if you can get nu- if you can get nuclear fusion and basically unlimited free cheap electricity and save internal combustion in the process,
0: then yes. Uh, unfortunately, you're wrong. I mean, and here's why: human nature will always tend towards the uh, towards efficiency, and the amount of electricity that it takes to create, store. And, and transport the hydrogen will, is, last I checked, which was a couple of years ago, more than you'd need to just transport the fucking car in the first place. And so as battery technology continues to improve, um, or even if it doesn't, we still wind up in a situation where the most efficient thing to do is put it in an EV that has two moving parts versus four thousand moving parts and so while i and i love internal combustion you love internal combustion its chapter in terms of new products for transportation is just over
1: i could see there being a situation where manufacturers seeking to differentiate themselves without the specter of carbon emissions say we're going to make a product like this this is like porsche yeah. just hanging on with a manual transmission just say we're going to create this thing because we know people want it and we'll buy it and it actually makes financial sense even though it's not the most efficient outcome right there's people who go out and ride on steam trains on weekends it's just
0: this. porsche's pushing hydrofuels, uh biofuels right i mean i think the that is same it's the, the other side of the same coin which is
1: a different fuel that doesn't have the carbon impact that allows
0: internal combustion to persist right and i think what that is is hanging on to what we have as long as possible and i'm 100% let me, let me make that clear. 100% behind that. But I think for traditional transportation purposes, Agree. it doesn't make sense. Yeah, not for mainstream vehicles. Not for mainstream But I
1: could see it being a thing yeah.
0: for enthusiasts. So long cars. as it doesn't get outlawed. Um, but I think that the situation in Europe right now is so aggressive against anything that has combustion happening yeah. that I don't see. But there's
1: like this sort of, you get a little carve out if you're like a fuel cell. People are sort of like, okay, alternative fuels, right? Alternative right. fuels, if you just... Couch it in those terms. I think it's less villainized. Yeah. Uh, question for Jason: which of your cars
0: is easiest to work on? Uh the E30. If it didn't we have this once before? Yeah, maybe we, we talked about I think about we did the E30 yeah. if you if it actually had a, had a hood that didn't open the wrong way. Probably E30, though. Yes, B- that's B- right. we did recently that. do this
1: uh okay someone is talking about how we talked about how the ct4v blackwing is so spectacular and would be improved if it had a v8 so why aren't you guys big alpha chassis camaro
0: ss enthusiasts because that's basically what that car is uh, it's a lot bigger i is mean it? i'm an enthusiast of that chassis i think that and zeta i mean all of gm's recent rear drive platforms have been wonderful um everything from a atsv to a V to all of this the 5v this uh, 4v a- and Camaro, they're all spectacular. Uh, the problem is just size. I don't want a four thousand pound enormous coop sp- uh, coop that you can't. It just yeah, it. It's just a personal sure. preference at that point so
1: no reason to not buy one of those if you enjoy the experience it's just that the whole purpose is that it's a sedan and so you get a level of practicality and 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 joy in the same car
0: that makes it sort of really one car solutiony that's very nice and remember geography we live in a place where the roads are tiny the parking spaces are tiny and a camaro is just too big to live with here sure so that's part of it uh this person has an na miata and says best practical daily under 40k
1: new or used
0: People how ask this practical. Question.
1: Yeah, exactly. What is your definition of practicality? Where do you live? Do you need something that is suitable to your year-round use where somewhere where it snows or you know. I mean,
0: if they have a Miata, if they have a Miata and they're looking to upgrade to something else, it's 100% GR. No, it's, it's
1: it's a second it's oh. a second car to yeah, go with an NA Miata. So, I would just
0: get rid of the Miata and get or an NA. Yeah, that's a problem. I'd get rid of the Miata and get a, a BRZ or a GR86. I mean, that's like that car just keeps coming up. I can't yeah. stop thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but more practical But that's golf. like
1: yeah i guess i mean how how get more practical than a golf ctrs are
0: too expensive that's a really nice one that's under 40 yeah that's that's tough i mean listen under four i just had a fucking camry rental it's so annoying the thing was so good 40 miles per gallon on the highway 80 (laughs) miles an hour like there are so many choices mazda cx 50 done I mean, I want a manual, and you can't get one in that, but CX-50 with a turbo, under $40,000, great great Tesla Model Y. Yeah,
1: this needs more qualification. Uh, Okay. Three cars before 1990 that can collectively capture the old car experience that's lost in modern cars. Man, that's tough because it depends on what you define as the old car experience. For me, the old car experience is you get out of the car, and you smell like fuel because it's carbureted.
0: Well there were okay yeah, so the carbureted thing you're going to have to mostly remove because 90 there was by 1990 there were very few carbureted Well cars before left. 90.
1: So to me that leaves the like a hundred year period before 1990. Oh, yeah, I think about that. And okay. so then it's like man like the Miura is an assault on the senses or like any sort of 60s carbureted sports car it could be a candidate for that—a big-block Corvette, you know, something with seven liters, where the car rocks when you that's rev a, it. Like, I think a, that's
0: a little bit too broad of a question. I because, agree. But I could here—you could say an Alpha One Hundred and Five car is basically all the misery of of old car ownership in one beautiful two thousand pound package that sounds great.
1: Yeah, I just for me, I would not want a four cylinder for noise reasons.
0: Okay, I mean, but then you can have forty thousand bucks. God. No, no, no. There's yeah. no, 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 no
1: dollar limit. Yeah. One, it's six. just three cars before 1990 that collectively capture the old car experience. I agree. Okay, the collectively.
0: Little... Hold on. This is a three-car solution. Then. Is it? Yeah. Okay. That collectively capture the old car experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: That's... Okay. If we interpreted the question correctly. If we did. Collectively. Shit. Well, then you need to have something like an American muscle car, a V12 Ferrari, and a four-cylinder Alpha. Interesting. Okay. I think you would... Mm, a new german no no german didn't peak until yeah i think i think like a 68 camaro just because it's so fucking gorgeous i mean some like american muscle car kind of a thing plus what's the furth yeah the furthest thing away from that would be like an alpha four cylinder
1: yeah or a lotus uh seven or something like that yeah. Really light and like barely a
0: car. And if it's got to be a three-car solution pre-'90, it's going to be a V12 Ferrari of some sort with carburetors mm-hmm. on it. Interesting. I, I could rock that.
1: Okay. All right. I see that. Uh, okay. Which companies have done the best job of carrying forward their founders' legacies? Which ones would be unrecognizable? People are talking, so he's also asking about the Ford Mustang uh, and the 911. Why is the 911 outpaced the Mustang and refinement? well, because it costs more, and it's designed by in, Eng- Germans. Well, in
0: refinement?
1: Why is the 911 generally outpaced the Mustang in refinement, reputation, and desirability? It's about quantity that was manufactured and the, like, innovativeness of the engineering. Well,
0: hello, one's a $100,000 car as a base car, and the other one's a $26,000 car as a base car. Huge just answer that question yes agree okay um, mustang is a car that has not deviated from its roots yeah. I'm, I'm about to do an icons on on it and this was a fun one to really think about what is so different about s650 the current car um and really going back and looking through mustang there were a couple times where they came ford came very close to really fucking it up and didn't you're talking about mustang I'm 2 you're talk talking, talking about, about, talking about any f- of i know what you're talking about yeah, i'm not talking about any of it because i want you guys to yes. watch the episode but ford got it like saved it must even mustang 2 wasn't actually a fuck up it uh, was a sign of its time correct and we'll leave yes. it there um yes. but it uh yeah mustang 2 911 is kind of drifted more than mustang has i would say
1: more than mustang has I agree gt
0: cars haven't I mean the nine the G like a GT three is closer to the nine eleven definition historically. But nine eleven's drifted. It's big, it's heavy, it's not it's not heavy, but it's just grown into a luxury car with a lot of automatic transmissions and sure. Um yeah. so what car has most accurately kept up with that? I um, mean there I, are I think st-
1: they might be actually separate questions now. What, which companies have done the best job of carrying forward their founders' legacies? Well, BMW's done the worst.
0: Yes. I think I BMW BMW's deviated from what they should have been.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Porsche's doing a pretty good job. Porsche's doing a great job. Porsche has a, a, done a great job at adapting to a new world mm-hmm. um, and remaining But keeping the North Star in the same place. Yeah, because even the cars that should suck, like a Macan, is great.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and it embodies actual driving enjoyment and it is the car that in that category is the yeah. most fun to drive
0: yeah and i would say ferrari has strayed um lamborghini straight a lot with well with the from what though because lamborghini had two starts right lamborghini well, had the no four, they had
1: one start it was the 350 gt, GT yeah and the right? miura already it was like they lost the plot <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Mura is completely wrong for the brand, and that was not what Ferruccio wanted. But then it came to define to the brand, the and brand. then it has persisted most. Re- and now the best-selling Lamborghini of all times is an anus. And yeah. so, Miura's, I can't let's get that wrong. Yeah, I think, but Lamborghini's, like, if Lamborghini's job is to be outrageous, it's done well. Um, yeah, interesting. Mercedes had some some s- straying. Yes. Honda has strayed, and is trending back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nissan. <sighs> so
1: sad. Uh Nissan together with Honda both in 1964 were like the arrival of Japanese cars on the global market. Honda does F1 for the first time mm-hmm. and Nissan with uh, the race. Yeah. Second race ever. Uh and then Nissan is basically its prince doing the their debut of the Skyline uh, GT at uh, the Japanese Grand Prix in 1964. And so Nissan together with Honda was like the origin of Japanese enthusiast Mm -hmm. cars. And they have very much lost that.
0: Uh, What about modern Citroën with like the DS brand?
1: The problem is those cars I don't think are that technically interesting. And they suffer from the sameness convergence, right? There's like mm-hmm. sort of miscellaneous little superficial features that are weird, but it's not advancing engineering and design and just reshaping the automotive landscape point. the way that they yeah. did in the mm-hmm. 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and into the 80s.
0: Aston Martin,
1: Jaguar. I'm I mean, so Aston Martin has been through so many permutations what that it's really it? hard yeah. to uh, yeah. clarify or distill what is Aston yeah. Martin's identity other than like elderly british things made in a
0: shed jaguar's done shit <laughs> elderly british things made in a shed <laughs> yeah. um jaguar that's soon. Uh, nope. they've done a shit job they've done a shit job yeah i'm just kind of thinking of different brands i mean i think chevy has stayed true yeah, to what it is okay you yeah know, mass market cars mass market volkswagen cars. actually vw is straight for a little while under ph to its benefit Right, I mean, yeah, but they never abandoned the core, which was
1: the Beetle. There are two cars that they have made, which is the Beetle and the Golf. (laughs) I mean, those are the only two cars Volkswagen has ever made. Obviously, that's not true, but they form the basis. for Yes, that is the core. I mean, Hmm. the people's car, the car of the people. Um, That's an interesting
0: question. Cool question.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay. This one is definitely for you. If you could design your own six-speed transmission, what would be your ideal maximum speed in each gear? Oh, I think I answered 41, 42, 43, <laughs> 44.
0: Look at V12. It's a six speed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look at V12 Vantage S manual yeah, slash Yeah, and Miata. then just drop the seventh gear and yeah. then the car goes 150 instead of 200 miles an hour. The max speeds were the same as ND1 Miata. So I think it was like 38, which I would probably shorten quite a bit uh, to have a much shorter first gear. And then 52 And then 77, and then give me a fourth gear that gets me to 100. Yeah. And then fifth, a big jump to wherever sixth needs to be for cruising. So, you know. So you want
1: maximum speed in fifth or
0: sixth? uh, It depends on the car. I mean, so a car that does 200 miles an hour, I want maximum speed in sixth because I don't want to be cruising at, you know, it, it all totally depend on the power output. But mm-hmm. what I like is cars that have big drops between fifth and sixth, for example. So, you know, you're not going down a gear for nothing going up a hill. You you know, I'm in a sure. cruising gear. Now I have a big jump. And then a big jump I'm to fourth is torque. totally fine. Yep. Because in the US, once you're at 100 120 miles an hour, you've already lost the race. I mean, it's over. There's no reason to ever go faster than that in yes. this country. And you want
1: to be when you're going between 20 and 60 miles an hour, you want a lot of gear changes yep. in there so you can interact with the engine. Exactly. Uh, Okay. What can we in the enthusiast community do about the way the average person drives? Support self-driving cars. Support self-driving cars. (laughs) And I think make it a lot harder to get a driver's license. I mean, you need only Mm. to look at the difference between the United States and Europe to see the way that how much more skill the average driver has. I mean, you see dumb shit happen in Europe for sure, but the baseline level of skill and awareness and competency in Europe is so much higher, and it's because it's so much harder to get a driver's
0: license. Yeah, and the problem in the US is that we run into a freedom. Yes. Right restriction. We don't want to make it difficult for people to get a license because we feel like everyone should be able to afford to have a license, and so making it difficult means necessarily making it expensive, and that because our
1: public transit system sucks so bad that and our built
0: environment means that you have to drive. I was going to say that's the the real problem is that you know like New York. I don't remember. I don't know what California is, but I studied the New York driver. Handbook, mm-hmm. and it must say sixteen times on every page. Don't forget that driving is a, it's a right, privilege, not a privilege. A privilege, privilege not, not a, right. a right. Yes, but the reality is. Somewhere in between, because you can't function in the United States without a car. In vast sections of the United States, it is required. Even the Bay Area. I mean, the Bay Area is one of the few examples where you can sort of function without a car, Mm -hmm. and yet everyone without a car occasionally zip cars or, you know, that you can... Yeah, so unfortunately, it's... It's uh, a reflection of a bunch of decisions that were made decades ago by
1: politicians and leaders of business. So you could support... uh, i don't think there's a way support out. efforts that promote uh people's ability to live without owning a car because there's a lot of people out there who drive not because
0: they want to but because they have to right and then unfortunately then we have ubers and there tend to be you know at least in this area tend to be the some of the worst driver taxi drivers tend to be the one of some of the worst offenders here anyway so yeah self-driving the mm. only way out
1: mm. okay here's one for you yeah. What are some of the most out-of-character cars for a country or manufacturer? That's an interesting question. I think the LFA. That's the one that immediately comes to my mind, right? What is Lexus supposed to be? Their their design ethos is like sort of comfortable, civilized, out-Mercedes-ing Mercedes. Mercedes, And then you get in the LFA and it's like an 11 experience. So in terms of just stimulation and and all that. So I feel like the LFA is really discontinuous. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Uh with Lexus. This is one that probably should be in green so that we can think more about it. We can it. do the whole episode. But we- I
0: mean, Urus, I would say Lam- uh, Lamborghini Urus, it's shit interior. It's quick, but it's just not actually a lamborghini it's so obviously a volkswagen product mm, um interesting but at, but at least it no 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 hold on i'm gonna redact it, that because yeah. at least it's within it's trying to be outrageous it doesn't really succeed at, at what it was but what it should be doing but it that is, was less
1: yeah that one to me was less compelling for that reason i mean phaeton
0: yeah that was a big fuck up i mean it was just you can't have a car company it's called volkswagen the people's car and then make something that's an s-class competitor i think yeah. those, that's especially numerous. when you have audi in-house and bentley right. as well yeah oh my god i think we could do a whole episode on this okay. We'd have to i really have changed it this. to green highlighting nice. okay. such that we can revisit like this that
1: one. uh okay um what's another one about mustang versus 911 didn't we already we had Just one. Just about the only cars immediately identified from the show. Oh, this is from the per- one of the people we met in Detroit. Okay. Okay. How do you make a new... Gener- oh, this is talking about the design icons that have persisted for a long time. I think about this question when you think about the new Beetle or the Mini mm-hmm. or Mustang or 911. How do you make the new one new but also still continuous with the last generation? <laughs>
0: I think it's very difficult. And I agree. And I think that's what Ford just probably ran into with the current S650 Mustang that looks just like it's, it's a new car. I mean, it's new. It's at the same It's platform. new, but it's new to be new instead why, of because it's better. Right. Somebody new. obviously was saying, don't fuck with it. The last one worked. Just don't fuck with it. Just add a bunch of like curves and kinks and shit for no reason. Sure. Um, but there have been... I'm trying to think of a good uh, golf. I mean, golf is a great example. That car's yeah, Mark
1: Seven is great, and then Mark Eight, they did the same damn thing where they were just like, now we're going to change it, not because
0: it is better, but they because made it, it is different. Well, part of it is, I think, what they. Yes, I the think reason why this day. has
1: historically been all, also a thing is that like the main lexicon of car language has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about the what cars look like in the '70s versus the '80s versus the '90s. There's like a sort of step function where things really change appreciably over each of those ten-year periods. And I feel like the last ten-year period, there's been less of that sort of seismic shift in the sort of way that cars look
0: you are thinking i don't think it well obviously other than the fact that suvs have totally taken over i mean sedans are dead that's one shift and the other shift is design elements that are very 3d in nature so you have or styling elements i should say more than design so a lot of cars just don't work in they just do not work in two dimensions so you see like pictures of the new insert whatever and you're like holy shit that's horrible and then you see it in person it actually looks pretty good and so computer-aided design which is happened for a long time but the the fact that so many of these cars are designed virtually and the wind tunnel stuff is done virtually and all simulation stuff means the car companies can do things that they've never been able to do before and so you'll see shapes like some of toyota's design language you know lexus's design language that's kind of crazy Mm -hmm. but actually works in person so that's a a difference but i think there are there are so, so many cars that have so successfully continued to look like they should look Mm -hmm. um oh and the other thing that i was gonna say is proportions of cars have changed dramatically with evs so the skateboard platform tall toad looking car is becoming very normal right the the original tesla model s did this spectacularly hid that Mm -hmm. and model three and model y so you mean what like polestar two polestar Polestar two has that vibe um, we're just getting used to the ev6 id4 volkswagen yeah they all look like toads they're very tall and they're it's a strange proportion that we're now used to seeing my Mm -hmm. sister just bought a model y which is fucking wild because she's i hate how those things look i hate how they look too but i was a hundred percent behind this purchase it's a perfect transportation device it's safe i don't have to worry about her driving it you know or getting hit with somebody in a she's in south carolina and i six thousand pound pickup truck hits her in her stick shift mazda six and we got a problem six thousand pound truck hits her in a 4800 pound model y i'm a lot less concerned sure um but um you know she's like people are judging me and this is all weird and like everyone's looking at me and she wants to get like a she's in the south yeah and whereas here you're like it's so anonymous number one selling car in where we are is model y and followed by model three they're fucking everywhere yeah but that had that not been the case we would all be doing what is happening to her in south carolina Oh, that thing looks like a toad it looks like well it's weird oh it's really expensive and people are really scared of it um but Range Rover has done a fantastic job of evolving to current consumer tastes in all of the styling language for the JLR product of the Land Rover. Like a Defender is fucking gorgeous. Um, Velar is beautiful. To all me, that those. was less successful than I wanted it to
1: be. The Defender. Oh, but really? I guess this—it's the standard—is set by the Mercedes G, and I'm like, you know, That's no one. change at all. Yeah. Basically, is the Very standard much. that I use. Uh, and so, you know, the question, the core question is how do you make a new generation different enough to excite but still recognizable? You have to figure out what are the th- elements. It was interesting because I watched a video in the 90s about the, from the, where the designer of the 993 generation 911 was interviewed and was asking, you know, what? how do you do this? Basically this the exact same question but 30 years ago and he says you know, we return to the original design and we say what are the elements that we really like and that are in keeping with the ethos of the company and what are the things that we've sort of had to change over the years because of you know, less pure reasons, mm-hmm. whether they're safety or, you know, whatever, uh, and sort of choose what elements are really critical and essential to that mm-hmm. design and which ones are sort of like functional requirements or get changing with the times and were fashion of that era or something. And you say, like, what is the core identifying elements? And I mean, now I think designers are sophisticated enough that they do a pretty good job of this. I mean, the, the key, one of the key elements of a 911 is that the passenger compartment should be narrower or Yes, the, yes. The, the, the glass house should be narrower than the passenger compartment, should be narrower than the wheels, right? right? There's this, so you get this, the hips, uh, right. Yes, you get hips, and you get this sort of tumble home, I mm-hmm. guess, as well, from the, the passenger compartment being narrower mm-hmm. than the doors, and there's this curvature. So you sort of have to figure out what are those core elements, but then, you know, if you've done a really good job last generation, then... Then what do you do for the next well, one? I mean, the, one? And I mean warning, that's why they only made two new Beatles because after that they were like. Um, what do we go? Where do we go now?
0: The, yeah. in, in, or in the the mini? Warning, the well, mini I was going to bring up in a second, but look at nine nine six right? Nine nine six has all the core elements of a nine eleven design without the round headlights, and mm-hmm. it's still the redheaded stepchild visually. Yeah right and now they've gone back to round headlights 992 is gorgeous i mean it's just a beautiful car they've done it really well i think mini has done a good job of so, to call out one thing that i think that they they did in that case which was
1: something i appreciated because you look at 992 and 991 you're like mm, they're not that different but what they did do is they went to the square hood opening on the 992 mm-hmm. which had not you know which was part of every air cooled 911 and disappeared uh, kind of with the 996 and but it was something that had they, they looked back at the original and they say okay what's an element from the original that we like that we want to sort of acknowledge or bring
0: back I was just going to say exactly that the most successful designs I think are the ones who aren't just looking at the previous generation but who always go back and look at the first yes so Mark 1 and Mark 2 Golfs were very similar Mark 3 was a departure Mark 4 their design inspiration was Mark 1 again um, and then was five. It? yeah Really? 4 was a closer to 1. They brought back some of the the kink in the door opening matching that rear uh, yeah. that rear corner. They went as close as they felt they needed to to mark 1. Mark 5 straight again. It became it looked bulbous perverted. and yes. perverted. 6 was um a, a, a fix of five which was extremely successful it was to me extremely unbelievably successful. and then
1: seven they just did the same thing but more in it was well, just seven perfection. was a clean sheet design. i know it's shocking were, because six and seven look so related yeah. and but, five and six
0: do not but what they did was they took the the ability to build in a bigger dash to axe ratio axle ratio just change the proportions of the car for the very first time but go instead of looking back at six or five or four they looked at one and four so seven was designed to be in the lineage of one and four, mm. and, ignored and ignored five, everything. six, <laughs> three, right, and even two. And that I think was great. Nine mm. eleven does that same thing. You sort of have that. The square hood is a look back at the originals. Not no one's looking back at nine nine six, or even nine nine three, and saying how can we, you know, in how can we put some of this stuff in? They're looking. I see a lot of nine nine three. I mean, of course, nine nine three was an evolution of the original nine eleven. But yeah. there's what they're doing is looking back through the whole catalog rather than right. and, and the highlights, same. not just at the previous. Mark eight is only looking at seven and yeah. saying, "How do we change seven yeah. for for the for the purpose of changing it?" That's a fuck up, and it will wind up being an aberration in, in the yeah. It's going to be like the mark five.
1: Yeah,
0: or or the you know nine nine six. Yeah, but sure. Minis done a great job of keeping that aesthetic going. Yeah, but, but they really all, terrible I can't job. tell them apart. Right. They
1: all look the same to me, and that's the problem. Well, no, the R53, for sure, I think, is the most attractive right. of all of the new minis. And then they just kept sort of making it more cartoonish and yeah. more blobby and right. more sort of like
0: less crisp. Look, I have a hard time telling 9i1 and two apart. There are, there are different angles where I'm like, oh, hold on, it takes me a second, right? There are different Porsches that do i can't tell any of the minis apart and r53 here, is the
1: only one the first right, right of the new ones And the, the new ones i just don't
0: know why i should buy one like yeah. why unless i had a previous one that i want to replace with a new one i just don't know what new they have brought to the table so they haven't actually done a good job at evolving the car they've done a good job at keeping the style but i don't want one mm-hmm. um, that's it it's a great question well it's from uh, one of the People we met in Detroit. One Thus of wrapping designs. us around and yes. proving that the future is in good hands because these are these kids are smart.
1: Okay. That's it for this episode. The I don't know, one hundred and fourteenth ish or so. No, one fourteen
0: already have one fifteen.
1: Okay. Episode of the karma I only Show. know this
0: because I have to put the number in on the thumbnail and I'm ah, always yes. like, Oh, if I forget to do that, people are gonna crucify me. Yep. Um Bye. See you next week. See you next week with more Qs and A's. Uh do we have anything else coming up?
1: um mm, we should maybe talk about the bruno sacco event on november 12th we are
0: going to do that right i mean we've committed to it okay, at this point. we got to do it so we just so have to manda- choose a location mandatory mercedes content yes we're doing a bruno sacco <laughs> 90th birthday party here in the bay area this will be on his birthday which it's is november 12th, 12th sunday sunday we don't know what we're doing <laughs> or where we're doing it i mean it'll uh, just be
1: like a car it'll probably just be a parking lot full of mercedes benzes yeah but we are still trying to
0: find one of every body style of cars that sacco did in smoke silver just so we can make this group photo in jrg um okay join us next week for another episode of the carmudgeon show part of the Hackerty podcast network and uh don't forget to go and buy some cool yeti cups because we want to support teenagers (laughs) blowing out clutches (laughs) they're replaceable yes the so we teenagers. <laughs>